You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. And again, a special welcome to all of you who are watching online, either in real time or seeing this as a recording down the road. We're so glad that you are worshiping and participating with us. And in talking with a number of you here in the room, this is your first Sunday back in like a year and a half. And that is so exciting. We're so glad that you are here and that you're back. And if you happen to be a guest with us, man, welcome. On behalf of this entire church family around you, you are a welcome addition to our crew. We're thankful you're with us. And again, those of you online who may be guests with us or just kind of checking things out, so glad, again, that you are with us. Well, my name is Jay and I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so excited about this message that in the last service um, was that song, that beautiful song that we just sang about him being worthy was ending. There's a pause there, and in that pause, I ran up on stage (laughs) 30 seconds too early because I'm excited about what we celebrate here this morning and what we're going to be looking at in God's Word. So let's get right to it. So some years ago, um, you sent Jamie and me to Israel And that was such a gift. And again, we're so thankful. And we're especially thankful that that was a two-way ticket that you sent us there and you brought us back. But while we were in the country, we were driving down this road in northern Israel. And of course, we're just taking all this in. And uh, there's some traffic stopped in the road ahead of us. I mean, literally stopped in the middle of the road. And so our bus pulls up, you know, behind this traffic and the bus driver says, yeah, you're probably going to want to see this. And our guide says, definitely. So we all get off the bus. We literally just cross the road right next to the guardrail is this. This is a first century tomb. This tomb is over 2,000 years old. And this morning we celebrate an empty tomb as weird as that sounds, and we will be getting into why we celebrate an empty tomb. Now, most likely this was not Jesus's empty tomb, because it's in northern Israel. It's too far away from Jerusalem. But I was struck by the reality as I walked up to this tomb, as I got to peer into it, and this is a picture I took off my phone, of this is, this is real. This is real. But not all of you are there. And I get that. There are some of you, I'm sure, in a gathering this side here in the room, and a number of you who are watching or will be watching online, who you're not quite sure if the resurrection really happened or not, or you just plain don't buy it. And I get that, and I respect the spiritual journeys that are being represented here. But with all that being said, I'd like us to very deliberately together, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, to assume that the resurrection of Jesus really did happen. Let's just assume it did happen. Then then what does it mean? What does it mean for your life and mine if this really did happen? Now, if you're looking for evidence, there's plenty of evidence, and I want to just refer a couple resources to you. This is a really good one. This is called The Resurrection of the Son of God by N.T. Wright fabulous book that takes a very comprehensive look at all the evidence for an empty tomb being caused by Jesus's resurrection, but also a newer book that's come out by Tim Keller that I read these last couple weeks. It's Hope in the Times of Fear, and it's classic Tim Keller. It's very comforting and reassuring and pastoral, but he also looks at some of the evidence for this. And yes, we could go there, and we could spend our time on the evidence 
for why that tomb was empty and why the evidence supports that Jesus really did rise from the dead. But instead, we're going to focus on what it means. Assuming that it really did happen, what does it mean for your life and mine? Well, we will jump back to now our um, study in the Gospel of Matthew, and we will come to Matthew's account of what happened some 2,000 years ago. And then we'll look at what some of this means for you and me. So after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And now we're going to jump forward to the end of this chapter and see what really happened when they went to Galilee. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and he was there. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, as we're thinking about what we just read and heard together, what jumps out at you in this story? And someone in the last service said, Jesus! And that's absolutely right. That's what we're here to celebrate. And nine times out of ten when you're in church and someone asks a question, the correct answer is, yeah, Jesus. Who's Easter about? Jesus. Who's the Bible about? Jesus. Who does every book in the Bible point to? Jesus. Who is the risen Lord? Jesus. Who does Jay need help from every single day and a lot of help? Jesus. Yeah, the right answer, nine times out of ten, is Jesus, but there's another answer lurking in this passage as well. And we actually looked at this reality last year when we were in this same passage, and this is it. Who's afraid in this passage? Everybody. Everybody is afraid in this passage. The guards are afraid. It says they shook like dead men. And the word that's used there is to describe the violent earthquake that just happened. The ground just finished shaking, and now they're shaking. They are so scared. The women, understandably, are afraid. The disciples are afraid. So afraid, they have deserted and abandoned Jesus. They're nowhere on the scene. The religious leaders are afraid. What we skipped over was the account of them going um, to the guards and them meeting together and cooking up this story that somehow the disciples stole the body. And again, if you're looking at this from an evidentiary standpoint, that's more unbelievable than the resurrection. But anyway, they're so scared, they're concocting a lie to try to explain what happened. There's fear 
all over this passage, and we understand fear. Are you afraid this morning? Statistically, many of us are. As Gary Bashir shared in a sermon a couple weeks ago, statistically, the younger generations, almost half of them say that they constantly struggle with fear and anxiety. This has been titled the age of anxiety and fear because we watch the news cycles. We're constantly exposed to social media. We're constantly exposed to the brokenness that's going on all around us. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. Some of you have lost loved ones recently, have lost loved ones as part of this pandemic. Our lives have been completely changed. We're up against racial injustice and racial tension and political tension and just all this stuff is going on and of course we feel anxious and afraid. And I think in some ways it helps us better understand where they were at as well. I think we can relate to this story in more ways than we realize because we understand fear and anxiety. And their world was literally rocked that morning They had no idea what was going on. In fact, it looked like a total disaster. Jesus had been killed and buried. Seemingly, his followers dispersed, and that was the end. But it was actually just the beginning, as we're about to see. So we understand fear, and we understand loss. And that's why one of the main things, one of the important things we need to take away from this reality that If the resurrection did happen, assuming that it really did, it means that we are being saved from death to life. And it comes back to the uniqueness of Jesus' resurrection. Because actually, there are several resurrections in the Bible. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, I've listed them here. Those are all accounts of people being raised from the dead. In fact, just yesterday, I was reading in Acts 9, and it's the story of Peter through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power that God's presence was giving him, raises this lady from the dead. He brings her back to life in Jesus' name. Her name was Tabitha. But Tabitha and all the other examples you see on the screen there have something very important in common, and that is they all died. Yes, they were resurrected back to life, but every single one of them died. Jesus Christ is the only one who came back to life and stayed alive. That differentiates his resurrection from every other resurrection in the Bible. He is the first person ever to come back from the dead. And if he really is who he says he is, if he really was who he said he was, if he is the sinless son of God come to sacrifice himself on our behalf to rescue us from disease and death and demons and the brokenness of this world and to save us to a new hope and a new future, then this is a game changer. Because if he was who he said he was, it doesn't just mean life after death. For those of us who believe and choose to follow him and love him and know him, It means life now. And if you're living life this morning apart from knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my friends, you are settling for far less than what you could have. The reality of the resurrection is that he gives us life. It means our life has been changed. 
And I love this verse out of Hebrews, which is in the New Testament, where it says this, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, Satan, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. I was Google searching people's greatest fears. And do you know what the number one fear is that keeps coming up? In fact, it's never gone away. It makes the top of the list in every generation, in every culture, in every ethnicity, in every day and age and time. Do you know what it is? Ultimately, it's the fear of death. But the reality for us is, as that verse proclaimed, Jesus just didn't die and come back to life for him. He died and came back to life for us. Which means if we believe, if we receive his love, if we receive his presence into our lives, he changes our lives now. It's hope now, but it's hope for the future. And so for those of you in the room, for those of you watching and listening online, it's not coincidence that you're hearing this message this morning, this message of hope and life. That is God coming to you and inviting you into right relationship with Him. And when God calls you to right relationship with Him, the time is always now. But I don't want you to just hear it from me. I want you to hear it from someone who many of us know, and she has a very necessary message for us to hear this morning. So let's roll the video of Caitlin. Hi, church family. My name is Caitlin Fisher, and I'm a member here at Grace. I've been attending Grace for close to 20 years, I think. Um, and I am rejoicing with those who are getting baptized today, but I can't help but have a heavy heart today as my husband, Grant Fisher, was signed up to be baptized. Sadly, he was killed in a car crash by an impaired driver the morning of January 29th on his way to work. As sad as that is though, I have peace in knowing that Grant is more alive than ever in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grant became a Jesus follower at a young age, but he was recently growing more than ever in that relationship and was feeling the call to be baptized. We know though that baptism doesn't save us. Grant was saved because he admitted that he was a sinner. He believed what we're celebrating today, that Jesus came, died on the cross for our sins, and rose three days later, and he confessed his sins to his Lord and Savior. Grant wanted to profess that today by being baptized in front of all of you, his church family. He's not here to do that today, but I'm here to invite you to be baptized. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So don't wait. Profess your faith to your brothers and sisters around you. If you're a Jesus follower and haven't been baptized, don't wait any longer. We have clothes here for you, and you're surrounded by your brothers and sisters in Christ who are here to walk out your journey as a Jesus follower together. There's never a perfect time or a perfect place to be baptized, so I invite you to do it today. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow, so let's live for today, but not for us, but for Jesus Christ who came and died and rose again for our sins. Happy Easter, Grace family.
Someone in the last service after they saw that video, just like we did, very audibly said, wow. And I, I completely agree. I toyed with just ending the service right here. Here endeth the message, right? That was so courageous and so loving of Caitlin to share with us. And she and her family are present here in the service. The Patricks are here. Adam and Laura Grant's parents are here. The, the family's here. Thank you, Caitlin, for sharing that with us, for your courage to say that. And I hope that you're listening. Because if Jesus has changed your life, then that is cause for celebration. If you believe in him, we want to baptize you, and we want to baptize you here today. As Caitlin said, we have towels, we have clothes, we've tried to systematically remove every excuse that you might have to not get baptized here today. And we'll fit you in either at the end of this service or the end of the next. We've already had someone from first service take us up on that, and um, we're going to be baptizing them in the next service. So please, if you've never been baptized, but you know and love Jesus Christ, make today the day that you declare that, because we want to celebrate with that with all of you. So this amazing God, through his resurrection, gives us life, but he also brings us to wholeness. My friends, all of us are broken. This world is broken. Why do we have so much fear and anxiety? In part, it's because we get it. We see the brokenness, not just in ourselves, but in this crazy world around us. This world is not what it should be. And this story pervades movies and music and the arts. Over and over again, this narrative is told by our culture and by cultures all around the world. And I've waited a year and a half to give you a Marvel example. <laughs> and I finally have one. This is a new series that came out on Netflix called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And in the very first episode, the two guys turn to each other and one of them says, this world is broken and we need a hero to fix it. And as my wife and I were watching that on our little round couch, I turned to her and I said, that is the gospel. And that's going to make it into Easter, by the way. <laughs> because it's a story that keeps repeating itself. If you listen for it, if you watch for it, it is in movies, it is in the arts, it's in dramas, it's in theater, it's in books. We get it. We know the world is broken. And the incredible news and the reality of the resurrection is the hero has come. This is the God who is in the process of making all wrongs right, of healing brokenness, of bringing hope, of giving wholeness. It's the great reversal. Shalom is basically the way God always intended things to be. And because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he is now in the process of restoring things and establishing his kingdom and restoring things to the way they were always intended to be. And that will ultimately culminate in when he comes back and comes back a second and final time. And we'll talk about that reality at times and say, boy, I just, I hope that happens. But that's not really an understanding of the hope that we have. So you see, interestingly in our language, when we say, I hope for this, I hope for that, at times there's kind of an uncertainty there. There's a, well, if that happens. But in God's word, when God talks about hope, it's not a if it will happen, it's a when it will happen. The hope that's described 
the hope that we have from God's word is a hope that believes that we can expect good from a God who has our best in mind and we can trust that because of his character and his promises and, and who he is. He always does what he says we, he will do. So therefore, we have certainty. We have confidence. When we say hope, when we say we have this hope in Jesus, we're cashing in on a certainty that we absolutely can and should have. And this is where this gets real personal in this passage. In fact, it gets personal in a lot of ways, but this is one of the ways. Look what the angel says to the women. Go quickly and tell his disciples. Really? His disciples? You mean the 11 deserters? And Peter the denier? Who denied Jesus not just one time, not just two times, but three times? And by the way, for those of you who have been with us, the last several weeks, as we've been progressing towards Easter here, As we've been progressing through the gospel of Matthew, Jesus over and over has said, you're going to abandon me. You're going to desert me. Peter, you're going to deny me. And something that, that, that came home to me as I was studying and preparing for this message was something that's always been there. But, you know, one of the things I love about the word of God is you can read something over and over again And through his spirit working in your life, his presence working in your life and mine, he will give you insights and bring realities to mind. And you'll read stuff and go, oh, that's always been there, but now I get it. And I had one of those experiences. And if you read our Good Friday service, Sean talked about that in that amazing service. And if you didn't get a chance to see it, please go back and see that and absorb that and take that in. But he was talking about some things he learned, and this is what I learned. So Jesus makes all these predictions, all these prophecies that the disciples are going to desert him, that Peter's going to deny him, that they're all going to abandon him. He knows it. And here it is. He still loves them. You ever deserted Jesus? Ever denied him? Ever abandoned him? Some of you are right there this morning. Some of us are thinking about it, and all of us at some point will. And despite all of that, God still loves us. God still loves me. He knows all my brokenness, all my selfishness, all those things I'm ashamed of, all those things that I will do or won't do that I wish I could have back, that I wish I would have done, that I wish I would have said regrets and outright selfishness and sinfulness. And he still loves me. He is the only one who loves unconditionally. Do you get that? God does not love a future version of you. He doesn't love a future version of me. He loves me and all my brokenness and sinfulness. And one way we can respond to that is to abuse that and say, oh, well, God forgives me, and you'll hear people say this and even do this. Oh, God's going to forgive me. I'm going to go live like that anyway. But that response doesn't have to be a selfish, sinful one. Because actually, God's unconditional love for you and me isn't a license to sin. It is the escape from it. Because when you know someone loves you like that, how in the world can you take advantage of that, abuse that, 
disregard that. Man, it just makes you want to love him even deeper, even more. And that's what's so incredible about this is no one is too sinful or too broken for the grace of God. Not me, not you. And so once again, he comes to you and me this morning and says, will you believe me? Will you accept and respond to my love by receiving me into your life? And for those of us who do already know and love him, will you realign his life with his? Will you choose to trust him when it's difficult to do so? Will you be obedient when you don't feel like it? His love compels us to respond that way. And if that wasn't enough, the resurrection also gives us purpose. We no longer have to live just for ourselves. We can live for God and we can live for others. And that is an incredibly, profoundly fulfilling way to live. Because in your and my original hardwiring, that's how we are hardwired to live and be. Your true self, the self who God created you to be, is someone who will love Him and trust and obey Him and someone who will love others the way you have been loved already by Him. And what did Jesus say is the summation of the Bible in terms of living it out? Love Him, love God, and love others. But He also gives us purpose in that. We don't just live for ourselves. We live for Him. We live to love and serve others. And he captures that in saying we are called to make disciples. We are called to make followers of Jesus just like, just like we are. Your life has purpose. And my life has purpose. Whatever vocation, whatever trade, whatever season of life you're in, you're that but you're also called to a purpose in that, to love God and love people and to make followers for him. And actually, what Jesus is saying here is addressed to all of us who are the church. Everything in this passage is plural. So if we were from the deep south, we'd say all y'all. This is an all y'all kind of thing. All y'all go and make disciples. So let's look at that just real briefly as a church. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with making disciples? Well, I hope you're encouraged by that because we're baptizing people this morning. People are coming to know Jesus. Lives are being changed. Lives are being transformed, and you'll hear that proclaimed through the act of baptism and the stories that you're, you're about to hear. But there's another way that we can assess this, and that is through longevity. Do you realize that today is our 40th birthday? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Easter, 40 years ago, was the beginning of one of the threads of our church. And I want to be very deliberate in this because we are a church of mergers and partnerships. There's actually two original churches that eventually came together that formed the foundation of some further partnerships that continued to make us grace. But 40 years ago, there was a group of 100 people from Montevilla Baptist Church who left to come to East County here to plant a church. And that is where part of our roots are as Grace Community Church. And they did that 40 years ago on Easter. It was their first time gathering together. And some of those folks are still with us 40 years later. So this is what we're going to do. When we're opened up a little bit more, hopefully fully opened up, by the time we get to the fall, we'll see, we're going to party. 
we're going to have a celebration. And we're going to celebrate 40 years of making disciples and changing lives and loving Jesus. And I hope that you'll get to, get to be a part of that. But we have a purpose, corporately and individually. And at the end of the day, the reality is we need each other. Has that ever been underscored in the last year and a half? For some of us, it's hard to admit that. It's hard to ask for help. It's hard to receive help. But the reality is, it's not weakness to ask for help and to receive help when you need it. It's wisdom. And there are some gifts you can only receive when you admit and own your need. I was talking with someone recently who lost their job this last year. They said, Jay, I've worked my entire life. I've had a job my entire life. And I lost my job due to COVID. And it was profoundly difficult and humbling to realize I needed help. I'm receiving unemployment for the first time in my life. The person who said, you know, our family's gone through a crisis and some folks have brought us some meals and it was very humbling to receive those, those meals, but, but we're grateful for them. And, and the list could go on and on. Folks who have reached out to others who have just said, I'm lonely. I mean, how many of us have been there this last year? You see, there are some gifts that you can only receive when you admit your need, and it takes a humility to admit your need for right relationship with Jesus Christ by inviting him into your life. But my friends, that's not weakness. That's wisdom. Why would you pass on the opportunity to have life the way God always intended it for you, here and in the future, to have hope, to begin to experience wholeness, to have purpose. These are just some of the things that the resurrection of Jesus means for you and me. And this morning, once again, he is inviting us to own our need for him and then to experience him and enjoy him and savor him and what he has done for each one of us. So as our worship team comes, we're gonna celebrate communion together. And there's a verse that I just absolutely love in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And actually, this is being spoken to people who know Jesus. This is for folks who already know Jesus. And he says this, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He invites us to commune with him, which is where we get the name for this. He invites us to have intimacy with us, to know him, to love him, to experience him. And so when you came in this morning, for those of you who are in person with us, you should have received one of these. It's okay if you didn't. We still have some more in the back. You can go grab one of these. For those of you who are at home, if you can um, gather what other, whatever elements are available to you, we are going to celebrate communion together. And the trick with opening these little packets that we in person here have is to open it and not wear it as it spills on you, because I know they can be tough to get open. But will you please find that little wafer in the wrapping there? And for those of you who are with us at home or wherever you're joining us, would you remember with me and listen to these words on the last night before Jesus was to go to the cross and to give his life for ours? 
While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. This reminds us of his body and what he's done for each one of us through his death, burial, and resurrection. So let's remember him together. And then it says he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Would you remember him with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness to us, for what your resurrection means for us, I pray for anyone who is watching and listening to this, who is hearing these words, that they would choose to respond to your Holy Spirit with whatever that looks like for them. For those who need to receive you into their lives, would they just simply do that? Would they say, Jesus, I need you. Please come into my life as my Lord and Savior. For those of us who do know and love you, would we be reminded all over again of what your resurrection means for us, that you're real that your promises are real, that your presence is real, and that you are here with us. And we ask all this in your son's name. Amen. So now we're going to sing a song that's called Resurrecting that is so powerful and that speaks to many of the truths that we have been thinking about and that we're going to now celebrate together. And as we do this, I'm going to renew my appeal once again. You thought you got off the hook. You haven't. If you've not been baptized... We would love to baptize you. If you've chosen to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior and haven't been baptized, over there is Pastor Jerry Smith. He's going to wave his hand. He's one of our elders and pastors. Go over there and talk with him, and we will get you baptized this morning, if not in this service, in the service that's going to come. But let's celebrate together what the resurrection of Jesus means for all of us. And I have really good news. We still have warm water and dry clothes and plenty of time. So if you've not gotten baptized, we would love for you to get baptized this next hour. And for those of you watching online, we're not that far away. Come on. Come on down here and let us baptize you because there's nothing better than knowing and loving Jesus Christ and living out what his resurrection means for all of us. So can I have all of you stand this morning with me? And as we prepare to go from here, The realities that we've talked about today, the realities that you've seen on display through baptism are yours and mine to have every day. The resurrection doesn't just happen on Easter. It's a reality that impacts our lives every day. So on your way out, for those of you who are here in person, on the tables in the back there, we have some rocks for you to take. And I would encourage you to just grab one of those and put it somewhere. Mine's gonna ride around in my car with me for a while here to remind you of what Jesus has done for you, what the resurrection means to you every day, starting with today. And for those of you online, if your neighbor has a nice rock in their yard, go grab it. And you, No, just kidding. You didn't hear that from me. But find a way to remind yourself of these realities because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I hope you do because he is risen. He is risen indeed. God bless you. May God go with you and enjoy the rest of this special day. Thanks for being with us this morning.
Thank you for joining us for sermon audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.